Good morning, everyone, and welcome. This is Joe Scarice, your founder and host of the Creative Bird Strategies House. Also live now on Spotify, Apple, Amazon. You could find us at the creativebirdstrategies.com website as well. I want to thank our sponsors this morning, of course, always. We have uh, Mr. Yordell Perkins of Perkitech, our social media strategist. We have MB Capital, our unsecured business lines of credit specialists. We have Realty 411, and then we also have Abstract National, which is a national title company that offers title services throughout the country. So today's discussion is how to identify great investment property strategies. So I'm going to put some, uh, do a real quick invite for some of uh, people that are on Clubhouse right now. So we'll get some people in here. Hopefully some of our moderators will come on as well. And we'll get started here in just a few minutes. I hope everybody had a fantastic week. Very, very, uh, very positive opportunities that came about this week. Uh, obviously, I accepted the new position this past week at Landmark Capital and really grinding out a lot of uh, great pricing for clients right now. And um, it's really, it's, you know, people are saying, oh, the market's bad, the market's bad. But I, investors are coming out of the woodwork right now. Had a great meeting with a couple investors at lunchtime on um, on Friday, and we just really dug into understanding what their what their needs are what they were trying to do what are their goals what are their why you know they're they're really trying to grow they're really trying to buy correctly they want to they want to build a relationship with somebody uh they want good communication and these are all key factors when it comes to uh, being identifying great investment property strategies it all kind of it all kind of applied so i was real excited about the, the conversation we had um and in our offices are here in philadelphia uh, at the uh, New Bolt Exchange, so it's just it just was a great day yesterday. A lot of a lot of wins for the week. Uh, got a lot of uh, built a lot of relationships with some some uh, mortgage brokers that needed some options out there. There's you know there, there's a lot of regulated mortgage brokers out there that don't know about the non-QM you know correspondent program. So I, I mean I I had the opportunity to build two new relationships with two two different mortgage bro brokerages that are now going to have us as one of their lenders of choice in a non-QM space. It was just, it was, it was just a great feeling offering those services to them and, and, and creating a relationship as well. Um, a couple great announcements as well. That I like to always remind people, we, we are not just a, a, a house here on clubhouse, which we thank clubhouse for allowing us to have this here every weekend, every Saturday morning, 8 AM, every Sunday morning, 9 30 AM. But I'm, what I'm really excited about is we're, we we offer a podcast where there's an opportunity to get yourself to be known with your business. So if you're looking for some marketing exposure to your business, please reach out to my to me and we'll arrange a, a 30 minute you know uh, interview to get you out there, get you some great exposure. We're getting hundreds of downloads a week on our on our our, uh, our podcast. We now have a live podcast that's national. Okay, so we're 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 in all the the, the right spots. Okay, so we're, we're we're obviously providing insight on top of insight. So and we're also being very selective, but we're interviewing certain uh, I feel key providers that are going to give some insight in some real estate education. And then also we have live events that we collaborate now with Realty Four One One and Linda Pelagas. Uh, where we have an event coming up in Denver. We have another event coming up in Philadelphia. 
Uh, we have another one in L.A. this year. I know Linda has a couple others that are in the West Coast in California as well. But the L.A. RIA Expo, wow, eight, nine hundred people. I got the, the opportunity to speak there last year. Uh, very exciting opportunity. Got to meet Mr. Rogelio Martinez and got together with a lot of the other clubhouse gang. And obviously, we're going to get together with the clubhouse gang in uh, in Denver as well. So we're now a full throttle educational portal. I mean, we're providing worksheets for you to be a better and smarter investor. Um, I'm also having local and regional educational presentations. And if there's an opportunity to, you know, present um, at one of your events, please reach out to me and we can we can put that together. I just finished up a three credit and or two credit CE course for real estate agents nationally on understanding and navigating asset based lending. It's the only class of its kind. I mean, I'm sure somebody will duplicate something relevant to it in the next uh, you know, year. But right now, I'm able to provide that in any state in the country with proper notice, of course, and provide credits in CE, continuing education, for licensed real estate agents. So let's get started with our discussion this morning. Um, we always like to dive into um, just the market itself this week. Very volatile. The rates have stayed above 7%. You're probably looking somewhere as high as 7.18. They leveled off by the end of the week at 7.08. As we always discuss, it's been, you know, 7% has been the magic number for the last 40 years. I mean, we just had a very big glitch in the market during COVID with that drop in the rates. I just think that was an anomaly. I don't see that coming back in our lifetime. And if it does, it'll, it'll basically crush the banks. Inflation is still very high. We keep talking about this. It's not something I'm making up. Okay, it exists. And till they get the government gets it under control, it's not us getting it under control. Once the government gets it under control, and I just don't see foresee that with the current government uh, leveling this off anytime soon this year. I, I think rates are going to stay where they're at. I don't think the Fed's going to do a thing in March. I don't think they're going to do a thing in the summer. They might do something in the fall to you know, bring a little activity to the election, but it's not going to be enough to 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 jar loose inventory because there is no real estate inventory. It's a very stagnant market. You know, a lot of real estate agents are excited about the, the, the spring market. I think we're just going to have a market. I don't think we're going to have this big, grand, you know, uh, entrance to the spring. Uh, I think it's still a very positive opportunity for real estate investors I think real estate investors are the competition now in all classifications of real estate. You know, identifying an investment property today is a lot different than investing, identifying an investment property, you know, two or three years ago. You can go after the A or B markets and make money in debt service coverage ratio and buying an investment property and outbidding the home buyer because the home buyer is going to be limited in how far they can go based on their global debt to income. You know, in the uh, the landscape of the investor, we're they're looking at the credit score of the borrower, the cash reserves of the borrower, and the debt service coverage ratio of that subject property. So I think the the investor has more flexibility, and they don't need tax returns, they don't need pay stubs, they don't need W twos and and ten ninety nines. It's a much different approach to class A or B investment properties today. And and this is the irony that tenant that that landlord is going to attract is most likely the individual or individuals that were outbidded to buy that property to home for home ownership 
So there's a lot of irony going on. And I think home buyer sentiment is going to stay high. I think, you know, the people that are going to buy a property to live in are going to be out of necessity. The build a rent market, meaning more the townhome communities, multifamily developments, there's a lot of rentals coming to the market right now. So what separates you as a landlord in identifying the right or great investment property to identify one for yourself to for cash flow, two for proper debt service coverage ratio, and three, the right tenant. And what market that you're in too, think about this. You know, everybody wants to be in a landlord friendly market. I, I really think there is no such thing. I think you gotta find some form of neutrality and balance and having the right documentation in place. I do get a, 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 a chuckle when I see people looking for legal advice and CPA advice on Facebook posts, hire a professional service, cut the shit out and try to get advice, stop getting from advice from Facebook legends, okay, in their own mind, all right? You wanna, you wanna surround yourself with smart people that are licensed and certified and you gotta pay to get to play. And if you, if you don't have that financial capability, sit on the sidelines, go to local re events, go to zoning meetings, hang out with people in those environments. At least you can get some transactional advice from, from true transactional investors. Okay. So that's the best advice I can get started here this morning. How to identify great investment properties and strategies. So mortgage news daily, like I said, I always try to pull a couple articles. I typically post on either Facebook or, um, uh, LinkedIn or Instagram threads. So if you're not following me now, please do so. Follow and we, oh, by the way, we just launched our YouTube, the Creative Birth Strategies YouTube account. We have all our up, uh, all our podcasts on there, up to date by uh, Perkitech and and Yardell Perkins. So check those out. Really excited about that as well. So we're really moving along with with the social media exposure of the Creative Birth Strategies. Next step is obviously getting my personal website up, josephvscarice.com. Yardell is working on that next. So let's talk about a couple of this, uh, some articles that caught my eye this week. Multifamily, missing middle construction unchanged. So there's a lot of build to rent coming to the market, but there's not as many two through four unit properties coming to the market in development. And there could be a little niche there for somebody that wants to get into new construction I would go after that two through four unit development or even modular. I think there's a unique opportunity out there for the smaller investor to compete with the institutional investor in that smaller one, two through four space. It's going to cost you relevantly the same to build out a single family than a two family. You might as well build out the two family and get the permits for that. I see there's a unique niche. It was a pretty cool article that I read on that today. Um, and again, right now, multifamily build to rent share is leveling off because there's just so much coming to the market. So that those were two articles that caught my eye, and I did post those as well. Uh, I also post about two articles a week on LinkedIn, so keep an eye out for those as well. So like I said, rates kind of leveled off around 7.08 on the base rate conventionally. Right now, commercial rates are coming in around 7% to 7.125, depending on leverage so they can go as high as 7.75 if you really want high leverage and also depending on your credit score but i've been locking rates somewhere between seven percent seven point one two five on refinance somewhere between the 65 and 75 percent loan to value uh leverage range right now which has been really good for a lot of clients uh commercial 
5 through 25. Rates are coming in somewhere between 8 and 9% right now, or light nines. Uh, I think uh, a lot of clients are not happy with that. They say, hey, the bank can do a lot better. Yeah, but they take 90 days to close. Where, you know, in our space, in the asset-based lending space, they close in three weeks. So do you need the money now or can you wait 90 days? Do you have all the paperwork to support getting that loan uh, closed at a bank or a local credit union? So that's where, and we're going to have that discussion today in South Jersey, understanding the differences between traditional lending and, uh, in you know, asset-based lending as well as uh, hard money. So, you know, going into our discussion, how to identify some great investment properties, some you know tips, tools, you know, come up with a strategy, right? Searching for investment properties can be extremely challenging if you don't know your strategy or investment goals. Ultimately, investors want to make a profit, but in order to do so, you have to find the right investment property. So I'm going to give you some five steps in looking for a property that meets your goals. Come up with a strategy, you know, a plan, you know, what, what's your financial capabilities and have a discussion with a, somebody in the financial advisory space, a lending space, choosing the right location, neighborhood, community, suburban, urban. Do you want to do Section 8? Do you want to do affordable housing? And identify the desirable neighborhoods. Where's the transportation? Where's the bus routes? Where's the train routes? Then obviously have the right tools to perform a property analysis, understanding maximum allowable offer, understanding cash flow understanding debt service coverage ratio, if the property needs rehab, understanding what the rehab breakdown is going to look like, what that timeline is going to look like, understanding comps and what the after repair value looks like. These are the tools that you need to know and understand to pencil your deal down. And then look at pricing based on if it's going to be a light rehab and then you're going to stabilize the property. So what type of forced equity you're going to be creating in that asset? Are you buying it more turnkey? And what's that, that lease look like? Does it work based on debt service coverage ratio? Because that's where asset-based lending falls. So you re- there's a lot of moving parts. And you really want to know how to pencil a deal down quickly for a lender to be able to provide terms, whether it's a bridge fix to rent, bridge fix to flip, and, and or long-term refinance or purchase on a 30-year amortized loan. So basic information that you really need to kind of understand with, with your strategy. You need to know who the borrowers are, meaning yourself and whoever your business partners are. Obviously, the contact information, what your credit scores are. Like, I, there's there's so many times I talk to somebody, say, how, how, what's your business partner's credit score like? And they're like, well, I don't know. Well, you're going to go in business with this individual. How do you not know their credit score? So you need to know, you got to have honest discussions with your business partnerships. Then you got you understand what the name of the LLC is, and obviously with the LLC, you need to have the operating agreement signed, documented, and that's another discussion. If somebody's light in credit and somebody's heavier in credit, do we change the percentage of ownership to favor the person with the better credit to get the better rates? Right. Well, we have a deeper discussion about that. Articles of formation, EIN letter, letter of good standing. Then we need to know what the address of the property is, and then what 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 is the asset? Is it single family through four family? Is it five through 25? Is it a mixed use property? Is it, you know, we, I want to know what I'm looking at. And I'm going to look it also up online to make sure you're, what you're telling me is true as well. And then what is it? What is the loan type, right? Is it a fixed to rent? Is it a fixed to flip? Is it new construction? Is it long-term purchase, long-term uh, refinance? Is it, you know, what, what are we doing here, right? Then I want to know what, what you're buying it for or what do you owe on it? 
right? You should know what your balance is if, you, if it's a refinance or you're restructuring the loan. Then you know you need to know when you're buying it or when you bought it. And then I want to know what the after repair value is because that's where, or the stabilized value because that's where I work from. And then I look at what the current rent is. Oh, no. First, I, I see what you bought it for. want to see what kind of repairs you're going to put into it or what repairs are already put into it. And then I want to know what your estimated rents are, right, by unit. I also want to know what the yearly taxes are today. Now, if it's a, a renovation loan, you really need to think about this. If you pull permits, you just notified the entire community that you renovated a property. Do you think your taxes might go up? The absolute answer is yes. And then you should really have an understanding of what your insurance is going to be for the year. There's builder's risk if there's fixed to rent, fixed to flip. And then there's obviously long-term insurance. Are you taking a blanket commercial insurance policy with, with the rest of your properties? Or is this your first investment property? Is it your second? So you have to have a deeper discussion with your insurance agent. And then I want to talk about experience, right? When you identify investment properties, in the asset-based lending space, it's all about experience. Do you own your own home? Do you rent? Do you live with family? It's a yes or no. It's not a kind of thing, right? How many investment properties do you own? One, two, three, four, whatever it is. Or your bar, your other partners, how many investment properties do they own? I need a number. How many renovations have you completed to become a rental? If it's zero, fine. If it's 10, great. I just need to know what that number is. Not what you've done for others, right? Then I want to know how many flips you have done either for your, you know, for yourself or your business partners in the last 36 to 48 months. These are identifying factors to, to, to come up with pricing for you, okay? And you got to tell the truth. Also, if you're a general contractor, how many loans, have, how many deals have you done as third party? Meaning you've been part of the, the process for renovations or flips as a third party provider to investors in the last 48 months? These are very important questions that you should be able to answer to then back into how to identify a great investment property strategy. Good morning, Justin. Welcome. Brief overview, who you are, what you do, and thoughts to our discussion this morning, how to identify great investment property strategies. Good morning, Joe. Uh, Justin Jefferson. I'm in the Louisiana market. Uh, yeah, just just quick thing. One of my, one of my favorite ways to identify uh, a now, property. Well, first, I need to kind of get my my criteria on what I can't afford and what I'm willing my, to risk. So I need to determine my risk factor. Now to determine what I'm going out there to look for. Then when I'm out there on the hunt, I'm I typically look for signs of distress. So you know, I found that, and and I have an advantage being a licensed broker, been licensed working with investors specifically since 2011. So I got a slight advantage there, but um, just knowing that if you rely on what's available on the MLS, the same hundreds of thousands or thousands, tens of thousands of people are looking at this, you know, same set of uh, property data, um, your chances of getting the deal, right, or getting the the best deal are slimmer. So you definitely want to try to utilize some off-market strategies, whether that's wholesaling, which you'll still have to do, do um, some negotiating if you're working with a wholesaler. So they just want to make money in, in the middle uh, without any risk. And then um, I like the driving for dollars method is is the best thing for me. So you, you go to your area that you feel comfortable in, 
and you try to look for signs of uh, abandoned properties or properties that may be unkept. Uh, another way to find these uh, find properties that may not be being tended to, right, is by going and looking up your tax records and seeing who's not paying the taxes. And a lot of times that's an indication that they are, you know, kind of ready to get away from that property for or it could be a number of reasons. So just uh, those are my thoughts in, in finding and sourcing a property uh, that you want to buy. And like I said, you need to make sure that's in your target area. So when it comes to that, you know, there are a few things that you need to check off your box as well. And they all have to, They a lot of them have to do with where you are and your ability to accept and take on these risks, right? And, uh, you know, your budget. So those are my thoughts, Joe. And, uh, yeah. Justin, if you could stay on mic for a few minutes. I know you posted something in my Instagram on something that I kind of told you so kind of thing. Can you highlight a little bit about that? And then um, I have a couple questions for you as well. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, Joe. So, uh, I, you know, I came across this post the other day, and I'm pulling it up so I can look at it. Yeah, so I came across this post the other day and the name of this chart is 2024 home price forecast now just to give you some insight on, on this chart this chart represents what these okay so goldman sachs mortgage bankers association zillow fannie mae freddie mac home price expectation survey and the national association of realtors but these are people that the public commonly looks for to uh, gauge where we are in the in the market and so they all have their own interests right in guiding the public so i just want you guys to listen to what their announcements were and why some of these people may have had uh biases in their delivery and that's important for us as a consumer to be looking when we're counting on what they're saying on the news and on so uh, it went a little something like this. So Fannie Mae, uh, Freddie Mac, uh, they were all forecasting the mortgage rates to be at around, and we're talking about the Fed, to be at around 2.8%, 2.6%. The Home Price ex Expectation Survey, originally, right, This the original part is important. So they originally made these forecasts, right, that in 2024, this is where the rate would, would be at 2.2. And so as we fast forward 60 days, 60 days from that, now these same people uh, go, for example, Goldman Sachs went from an, a forecast of 1.9% to a forecast of 5.0%. The Mortgage, Banker, Mortgage Bankers Association went from a 1.1% forecast right to a 4.1 percent uh zillow this these are the ones right these are the people who want you to think something i'm gonna let you determine what they want you to think right zillow's original forecast was 0.2 percent to hit in 2024 and now they've changed that estimate to 3.5 percent right still a little bit more conservative than the others but they you know somewhere along the line they come to grips with reality so my, my and then oh this is the one a national association of realtors them and zillow right they wanted their original forecast weren't even a 
a percentage. So 0.7%, right? They just, they want to give you all the hope in the world. And now National Association of Realtors, they're not even coming up off their forecasts a whole lot. So they're going to say their current forecast is still at 1.9%. Very, very optimistic when every other, um, you know, professional, unbiased, right, opinion and statistic that we're getting on this is saying they're going to be up for a little while, right? So it's very important to be uh, aware of what people are trying to tell you and how you read these numbers and how you read um, these forecasts. And so, and just all, also check with multiple sources. This is coming from six different sources. Two of them happen to be biased, right? Um, the, the Zillow and the National Association of Realtors. It is what it is. Your numbers are biased. And so that's, that, that, that's what we had going on, Joe. And it just, it just, it just made me laugh when I read it. It just made me think well, about I, what you had been saying I, about. I, I mean, um, why wasn't my name referenced? I mean, come on. I, I thought I was an influencer. What's going on here, right? Yeah, bro. Like, oh, man, Joe, it's, it's wild. Bro. Well, like, let, let's think about this. Think about this. Stay on mic, Justin. So um, we have a ma major lawsuit going on with NAR and all the associations. There's some serious things going on here right now, right? At the end of the day, we might not even have real estate associations by state and by count, by region, okay? I think they're an uh, unnecessary evil, okay? I think there's it's just a money grab, okay? I think things are going to get so AI, it's going to eliminate a lot of the uh, boxes in the flow chart, okay, for licensed real estate agents. And the savages will survive. I think, I think, I think a real estate agent is, is a necessary uh, uh, professional in the field. I, I don't think they're going away. I just think it's going to look a lot different three to five years from now. And I think these lawsuits are necessary to wake this industry up. It has to happen every 20 years anyway. I, I remember the last time they tried to shake up the real estate industry by mandating associate degrees for all licensed real estate agents. What they did in that situation, they just required continuing education uh, classes for the real estate agents. That's how they got around it and got away from it. But I think you can't get away from AI and modern technology and the unnecessary needs of a realtor association boxing out all these different areas. And everybody's kind of like grabbing money from the licensed realtors and then grabbing money from the vendors. And it's just there's just too many layers. So, you know, and there's not enough proficient real estate agents that are being taught anything about investment properties. I mean, they're they're being given no strategy to be an investor-friendly realtor while taking a course to get their, their their license. I mean, there's nothing. Okay. Yeah. I think I think, and this is just now look, I'm gonna be very open with this in my opinion. I'm a licensed realtor. I'm a licensed broker. Like I'm a look I, and listen. Right. But I do believe at the bottom of my heart, there are a lot of elements of that of that one profession that I participate in that are no longer necessary. I mean, I my business partner and I own my brokerage. With, we sat down five, six years ago and we said, look, bro, us being agents, this agent stuff is going to come to a close. Technology is coming. This was a conversation we had just trying to plan out how we're going to get ahead of the curve and 
and line out our business. What is our business going to look like? How is it going to be different ahead so we can stay in business, right? We're coming from a time where, you know, my first company, this guy was having me put ads in magazines and newspapers, okay? So we are so far from that, and yet we... It, 2011 from was not that long ago and that's that's how I, my career started and so what i'm saying is as we um change how we do things across the board across the world and it and it changes as an at an exponential rate right we have to accept that certain professions that we've looked up to or idolized are going to be eliminated there are a lot of things that are going to be eliminated right or, consi and, or consolidated or consolidated right yes yes right right because i just feel like the concierge part of the realtor service is going to be it's going to come down to being fact-based a seller is going to have to do certain things and a buyer is going to have to be qualified and there's going to be be somebody to connect the two but there's a lot of nuance that and there are a lot of things realtors used to have to do I don't believe they have to do anymore because the information is so readily available now. So I think I know some things are on the verge of change, Joe, for sure. Well, I, I can tell you for a fact, title, appraisal and real estate are, are going to have massive reconfigurations to complement the AI and the modern technology now. Not not five years from now, not 12 months from now. It's happening today. Right now, it's happening today. And you need to be the better strategist. As If you're not going to get licensed in any of these and you're going to stay independent as an investor, you need to align yourself with the right general contractor, the right service providers that understand strategy. Okay? I want to give you news, whether it's good or bad. I want to give you actual news. I, want, I, I really would prefer you to come back and say, man, Joe, you told me so and you were right. Let's move on and, and, and do this next deal together because I got caught that with my, my pants down on the deal and I, I didn't listen to you. I, I, that's okay. I, I, I respect that conversation, right? You need to be a better evaluator. Like the people that are, are evaluating rates from three years ago thinking they're coming back today because their brokers telling them rates are coming down. Who is the real estate broker to tell anybody that rates are coming down? Are they are they even watching the market? Are they watching job reports that are actually falsified? Are they looking at uh, inflationary numbers? Are they looking at the bell curve of, of the Treasury? Uh, the Fed ha doesn't have a choice but keeping the rates where they need to keep, okay? You have a very unique environment here right now. Nobody wants to own their own home. They want other people to take care of themselves. COVID kind of put people into this zone. They want to be put in a box. They want to be taken care of. They want to walk their dog, come home, work from home. They want to work virtually. They're trying to force people back now to work full-time in, in facilities. Office spaces are are empty, okay? Uh, companies are looking at savvier ways of not paying wage tax in these major cities. Where where is the, Are these cities going to make up this different? They're going to make it in rentals, right? But at the same time, they're making it harder for the, the landlord and making it easier for the institutional investor. So- what is your strategy? Like you need to be able to pencil your deals down better. You need to understand the max leverage or the least amount of leverage based on rates and where you don't always have to take all the money out on a deal. I, I know the mentality of the class. So the, the so funny that, that, um, that people uh, that were taught, Hey, do the burst strategy and take all your money back out. No, take the money you have into the deal, 
right? And allow the property to cash flow and appreciate and depreciate all those benefits as an investor. You don't have to take all the money out and leave leave just a carcass, okay? So you have to use realistic rates. Like if I'm working with somebody right now and we're looking to do a fixed rent, right? I'm telling them, listen, use a bad rate on the debt service on the back end. If everything just went to crap, what if the rate is 8%? Okay, use that. Just use a bad rate. If the deal still works on debt service at 8% and I come back to you at 7.125, who looks like the genius? You do. Because you used a really bad rate to figure out does that property work on the back end when you after you renovate and hold and, and stabilize it. Okay. You got to put a 12-month lease in place. You can't lease it to an LLC from an LLC. You got to buy all your properties in an LLC. You got to understand what your interest payment is going to be as well during the fixed to rent stage or the fixed to flip stage. Are you escrowing payments? Are you making monthly payments? How does the draw schedule work? If, if the appraisal after repair value comes back lower than you were expected, who's coming up with the difference of that money on the purchase side if I'm willing to go up to 80% on the purchase or 90% on the purchase and 100% on the construction? How does that work if your after repair value comes back a little light? Where's that difference being made up? It's made, being made up in your pocket. So you got to understand down payment requirements. And mortgage payments, you under, you have to understand the rent com, the rental income to qualify. I mean, right now in urban cities, Section Eight is better than the market rent. So how does that work to a, an asset based lender? Well, most asset based lenders will give you twenty percent up to against the market rent. So if the market rent is a thousand dollars, they'll give you an extra two hundred dollars a month. Now, does that match up with what you're getting from Section Eight? Hopefully, so. Because you're not going to be able to maximize cash flow on the leverage of the loan based on anything more than that. But asset-based lending understands already where conventional lending doesn't at all. They can't. They're regulated. They understand what's going on in this market where right now, today, how home afford housing affordability for low-income housing is now better than market rents in almost every urban city throughout the country, east of the Mississippi at least. So you have to understand rental income to qualify. You have to understand also price-to-income ratio. This ratio compares, you know, the medium household price in the area to the medium household income. Like how the type of tenant, who are you attracting based on where you're buying? Then you have to understand price-to-rent ratio. The, that This is the calculation that compares median home prices and medium rents in a particular market. You also have to understand gross rental yield. You know, for the individual property, they can be found by dividing the annual rent collected by the total property cost, then multiplying that number by 100% to get the percentage. You have to understand cash on cash return. So if you, if say you, buy, you refinance the property at 75% loan to value, but you know, 20 grand is left in the deal because you you, you kind of miscalculated your, your construction costs. If you're netting $500 a month in cash flow, how long is it going to take you to make back that $20,000? Also, how, how are you depreciating that asset with your account? You could probably make almost all that money back in 12 to 18 months if you do it correctly. Maybe 24 months. I'm not your accountant. I'm not your CPA and I'm not your attorney. Don't sue me. Go back to your third party to get and, and to get that information. But that's how you have to look at things sometimes. Sometimes you're not going to be able to 
get all your money out. So you got to look at the cash flow of the property. Bottom line, what you know, once you make all these ca calculations, the investment strategy is a lot easier. That's why we provide worksheets. We're the only house in Clubhouse for real estate education that provides you educational tools and strategy worksheets for yourself to evaluate and underwrite your deals. We want you to walk away smarter. You got to work smarter, not harder when you're evaluating your deals. Mr. ADU, good morning. Mr. Wilhelio Martinez, brief overview of who you are, what you do, and thoughts to our discussion this morning, how to identify great investment property strategies. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Rogelio Martinez, like Joseph just said, from beautiful Long Beach, California. And so just a couple of things is, you know, with regards to, so you hear value, 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 but you know what, from an appraiser standpoint, right, how do they actually determine value? And I don't know if you know, or if you're aware of the DUST acronym, D-U-S-T, right, which stands for demand, use or utility, scarcity and transfer. yield the income that I want on a monthly basis. Um, and having said that, I'm going to give you two specific examples, right? Because I think generality sound really, really nice, but I'm going to give you two specific examples. So one example is based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minnesota, there you go, because I like saying it like that. But as part of their housing element, um, they're probably one of the most aggressive cities in the United Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I've been there several times. My friends actually uh, transitioned or moved from San Diego to Minneapolis for that housing element. So these are two architects, and uh, that and one of them, I'm sorry, one architect, one general contractor, married couple, moved from San Diego to Minnesota. Why? To convert SFRs into four units. And what do, what do you mean by that? That means that the basement is one unit, the ground or the first floor is second unit, third floor is the third unit, and the attic, stand-up attic, is the fourth unit. And that's what they successfully do. So they're utilizing the existing housing element in Minneapolis, Minnesota to do said thing. And again, it's very, very cost-effective because you're not adding square footage. You're actually taking an existing single-family residence and actually converting it into a four-unit. Um, they don't have four units. They have um, they can go only go up to three, I believe. So the basement unit, which I would call the basement suite, that is the unpermitted unit that actually, you know what, no one really you know goes out code enforcement to identify that. But that's just one example. So converting SFRs into four units. And the reason why I wanted to highlight that example is because of what Joseph said. So hopefully you are aware of what's known as the missing middle. The missing middle in America is the two to four units that Joseph talked about. See, people are not building um, duplexes, triplexes, and uh, quadplexes. 
that's just not happening. All of the building is happening in track homes um, or in large scale apartment complexes. Um, and that's where the building. So there's this. So that is an actual term in uh, residential housing known as the missing middle. And when you hear articles talking about the missing middle, they're talking about two, three and four units. So here's the last example. And then I'm going to land my plane here. But the last example, and this is something that you probably have not heard on Clubhouse. This is one of those ninja things. So I'm bringing you one of those amazing ninja ninja things so that you can start looking at properties where people are not looking at them. And that's known as a bed and breakfast to Airbnb or SDR conversion. So here's what that looks like. So in my city, in beautiful Long Beach, California, bed and breakfast bed and breakfasts are exempt from the the STR ordinance. That means that in Long Beach, if you want to if you want to have um, an STR, right, short-term rental, you need to you need to file meaning you got to get your STR operator's permit and if you do not, uh, that's going to that's not going to be a good day for you, right? Legally and financially. However, in Long Beach, in my city, you can the the bed and breakfasts that are then transitioned or converted into an Airbnb that that they do not have to file for an Airbnb or an STR permit. That is huge. That is so huge. And the reason why that's an that that's a ninja move is because of the fact that not a lot of people are aware of that. Now, am I saying that in your backyard or where you're looking at investing into properties that this is something that you can do? That's not what I'm saying. You need to do your due diligence, right? Do your due diligence. Do your research to to identify if something like that exists. And if it doesn't exist, then guess four. You know, go go through. It might be it might be worthwhile to go through the um, the permissible use. Um, um, let, let me see. What is that acronym called? P U. Wait. Uh, C U P. Conditional use permit. So a C U P is that what what we call it in California. That means that you're actually going to the planning board and pleading your case to the planning board and then your neighbors have the right to say no 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 we don't want that in our backyard but the cu process that's another thing that people don't do and the reason why is because they don't want to do the work but the reality is that there's not a lot of work it's just filing paperwork and showing up to the board meeting when you have to show up so here's three examples and then i'm going to yield it to melissa because she's got Plenty to say, because she always has plenty to say, and not only that, but she is celebrating her clubhouse anniversary today. So here's the last one. Um, so I'm going to just summarize it. So, right, convert those SFRs, if you can, into two, threes, and fours, right? Internal, without adding square footage. Next one, obviously, convert your uh, bed and breakfasts into your short-term rentals, Follow your conditional use permitting process. That means that you're going to be working with the planning board, right? Planning commissioners, things like that. And then lastly, obviously, is what I affectionately call the coup de grace, the creme de la creme, the ADU conversion, right? Again, when any city that's eliminating single-family zoning, you definitely want to get into the ADU space. But with that, I'm going to yield uh, to Melissa. Thank you. Take it away, Melissa.
Well, thank you, Mr. Rahilia. We'll get to Melissa in one second, the rose amongst the thorns. Hello, Melissa. How are you? Melissa? I'm here. I'm just a little bit off today. Last two uh, days, I was working an event. So I, I am here, though. Uh, was it the event at the expo? Yeah, it was. The DeVos place. Yep. How'd it go? It went really well. I think um, overall, a lot of people, especially um, those who were members of the group, would have liked to have seen a few more people. So we've got to boost that up a little bit. Well, let me know if I could be of assistance in the next one. How about that? I've actually uh, I had a request to take notes at the Denver um, event by one of the board members. So Okay. <laughs> Well, let me know if, if you need assistance and guidance in that. Linda and I would be more than happy to collaborate with, with the RIA there. Fabulous. Yeah. So let me get into strategy, and then we'll go to Melissa as well. You know, you're, uh, uh, Rahilio brought up a really good segue here on identifying opportunities within investment property strategies, right? ADUs, short-term rental, bed and breakfast, very unique, niche I call them rabbits. They're not the turtle. The turtle is the 12-month lease, right? I've been a traditional turtle. I like the 12-month lease. I want to know what my cash flow is. Are there creative opportunities out there? But you have to have a deeper discussion with your lender to make sure the leases are set up to justify a asset-based lending loan, okay? So you can go after the unique opportunities, but you got to have an off cuff discussion with your lender to make sure the numbers will work favorably for you on leverage. Now, two, also, your best networking event, understanding investment property strategies, and Melissa, do not hold this against me, it's not a RIA. It's not an investor group meeting. It's a zoning meeting. You go to the zoning meeting in your suburb, your urban setting, your community, and learn what is going on, what permits are being approved, what developments are being approved, who is winning and who is losing. I like being on the winning team, but I also like to identify who is on the losing team so I know that I don't want to be on the next losing team. So being a smarter investor allows you to get some insight on the ground floor where the improvements and improvements are being made at these zoning meetings, whether it's the city level, the neighborhood level, the community suburban level, or rural level. Like I met with several investors yesterday for lunch. I said, hey, how many you're buying in these two neighborhoods? How many zoning meetings have you gone to in those neighborhoods in the last 12 months? They're like, what do you mean? They didn't, they, they I, I was like blind. I was like hitting with some blind insight. I said, how do you really know what your strategy is in these neighborhoods to grow and be part of these neighborhoods? And you've never been to a neighborhood association meeting for the zoning or a neighborhood. There's, there's usually two different things. There's the neighborhood association meeting. And then there's there, then there's a zoning meeting. You really want to go to both and see who's at where and what, and typically it's a lot of the same people. But you start making friends with some of these people. You don't want to make enemies with these people. These are the ones that are going to either be your best friend when it comes time for a permit to be pulled. Or if you're trying to do something unique, like what Rahilio is discussing, you have to be the smarter strategist. You know, before you come in and, and, and be a bull in a china shop, maybe, you know, being a controlled monster, like how Jordan Peterson uh, identifies 
a true savage, somebody that's quiet, sits back, listens, and controls their energies and absorbs the opportunities that are around them and understanding what zoning and permits and policy is being favorable or unfavorable in that neighborhood. You you don't want to jam a square peg in a round hole at a zone with the people that are making the decisions for that those areas. That's a better networking event than any real estate investor association meeting you could ever go to. You meet lawyers, you meet contractors, you meet investors, you meet real estate agents, you meet people that make decisions in on that level. I mean, you go to a real estate investor association meeting, they bring in speakers, they, they leave the next day. They're national speakers or regional speakers. The people that are at these neighborhood associations, at these zoning meetings, they're in a foxhole understanding every week what's going on in their specific neighborhood, the strategy, the master plan of that neighborhood, the master plan of the city or the community. You need to be a better strategist. Just walking around, you know, walking in like you're Vince McMahon of WWF at a real estate investor mean, meeting means nothing if you don't have knowledge of where you own your properties. I always get a kick out of seeing that Vince McMahon, you know, swagger when he's walking in. You know, it kind of reminds me of some of these guys that uh, and gals that come into a real estate investor association meeting. They got water buckets under their arms, walking in all diesel, and I'm like, what do these guys know? You know, you know. Listen, none of us here cure cancer. None of us here do open heart surgery. We're trying to be really smart real estate professionals and strategists. All of us, including myself, I'm learning something every day. I'm meeting people every day. I'm creating relationships every day. I'm answering questions every day. Sometimes I don't have an answer. Hey, can I get back to you to get clarity on that answer? So I'm not giving you a bad answer. Let me get let me memorialize a better answer for you so you can you could make your decision making then. That's real strategy. Melissa, good morning and welcome. Brief overview, who you are, what you do, and thoughts to the discussion this morning. How to identify great investment property strategies. Oh, great stuff, Joe. Thank you so much for having me up. It looks like it has been an anniversary. I've been on Clubhouse for a year. I learned about it last year after the last Midwest show. So somebody recommended it, and it's been a great year, especially listening to you. So thank you so much. My name is Melissa King. One last I LLC, I'm a virtual assistant. I am a realty bookkeeping and admin professional here in West Michigan. Uh, I love the ADU, the city of Grand Rapids here, actually uh, just recently looking into that. So there's a lot of property owners in the area that are keen on that. Um, definitely short-term rental, if anybody is interested in that. That, that was big at the event for the last two days. Um, Check your due diligence because the regulations are really coming down. People at, at the local level in those townships, they're starting to pay attention more and more. So if that is something that you're looking into, definitely find out where you want to put that short-term rental. Most successful short-term rentals that I've seen are places on the lake shore here in West Michigan. Give them something to do. People want adventure. So, um, Putting uh, the bed and breakfast, that's a great idea, Rogelio. Um, I, I've seen some um, actually being sold in some local counties around here because people can't make it in the bed and breakfast anymore. So that that's kind of interesting to me as well. I've always liked the two to four unit idea. 
Um, also, uh, that's what my husband would like me to get into is I'm going into my real estate investing strategy. And look, um, I'm moving into Muskegon County and building a home right now. And I am one of those geeks that actually read my, t my new township's ordinances. I think it's so important to read those because if you don't know what they're doing, a, a lot of them during uh, COVID, they had time on their hands, so they updated stuff. So if you're in a locality and you haven't gone through any of the current zoning information online, I think you better read their new PDFs because they're continuing to amend those every year. Uh, last thing I did want to mention, let me see here. Yeah, I think that's it. I went through all my notes. So I'm good, Joe. Thank you so much. So, Melissa, I want to add something to Stan Mike. How about a course for not just real estate professionals, but real estate agents on CE, two or three credit CE for licensed real estate agents, but, it, you know, they welcome real estate investors for the state of Michigan. Uh, I, that would be understanding and navigating asset-based lending. And I and the individual that would teach the class would teach it for free, and it could be a profit maker for the RIA. What do you think? Teach it for free, yeah. You know, free is for me. Come on. Well, no, you would charge. The RIA would charge, right? I, You know, the individual, meaning myself, would come in and teach the course, and you could do it as a moneymaker, like on a weekend, like a Saturday morning workshop. Um, yeah, so I'm starting to roll that out uh nationwide i just need a 60-day notice to, to get the certification in that specific state um okay. and obviously we could talk about that off off clubhouse but i i'm starting to book that out because i okay. i just finished writing it i got it approved by new jersey and pa and the way i'm doing it by other states i just need to know 60 days in advance and then i can get the certification to teach the course in those other states so it's very unique that's very interesting because I will say the broker that holds my current real estate license, she's up uh, in Traverse City, and she actually, um, I should contact her for a little bit of advice on that as well because she has written many, many manuals for different states on continuing education courses. I mean, she's been an auctioneer. This woman is, I think she's heading toward her 90s and she's still going. She's just amazing. So that's very interesting. We definitely can talk more about that um, when I'm out there in Denver, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So I I, uh, I, I wrote the the, the, uh, the actual man manual to this course. So I'm the only one that offers the class. So right now it's a unique anomaly for the most part. So uh, like I said, keep that in mind. You know, and let's, let's rehash how to identify a great investment property. It, it starts with you. It starts with you as the investor. It starts with you having the right power team. It starts with you identifying the right places to be, surrounding yourself with the right people, right? It's not just about a RIA or a real estate investor group meeting. It's about going to zoning meetings. It's about going to community meetings where you're buying, your, identifying your opportunities, right? Being part of the fabric, right? And then when you're talking to a, a, a lender or real estate agent, you need to know things like this, not kind of things, you need to know them, okay? You need to know what your name is. You need to know who your borrowers are. You need to know what your email is. You need to know what your, your your contact information is. You need to know the name of the LLC. You need to know how you're going to set up that LLC. Is it going to be a sub-LLC rolling into a master LLC? That's a conversation you need to have with an attorney and a CPA. Might be the same or two different parties. You need to know what the address of the property is. 
what the asset type is. If you're going to make changes to it, like Rogelio said, you need to understand permits and process. And do you know how to obtain those? Are, are they obtainable? Is it a one family? Is it a two through four family? Is it, a, is it a five unit? Is it a 10 unit? Is it a 25 unit? You need to know what you're looking at. Now, is it a value add or is it a long-term purchase? Is it a long-term refinance? These are things you need to know what the loan type is. Is it new construction? New construction is a great opportunity, but you need to maybe align with somebody to get that experience to get into the new construction space. Most lenders, not saying all, want to see two new construction completed with ownership in the last 48 months. You need to identify a business partner, one that has the credit and the capability to partner maybe to get that experience with them to get two deals under your belt. Okay? Then we need to know what's the, the after repair value. Is it a refinance? What the current balance is? How much did you buy it for? How much are you buying it for? These are different questions. You need to know what these are. Okay? You need to know what, what the, the purchase date was or what the purchase date is. What you know? What what kind of repairs were completed? What type of repairs need to be completed? Okay, and then you then you you tie into what the estimated rent is, what the current rent did is is it vacant? Do you have leases in place? What the yearly taxes are? What the yearly insurance is? You need to understand these items. You need to know them cold. Nobody wants to work with uncertainty. That's why deals fail. When you're in the level of uncertainty, things fail. You need to be a strategist, okay? If you're not using a, a bad rate to see if the deal cash flows just for just God forbid, you're not being a better investor. Don't look, use the, the, the bait and switch rates that are on the, the professional uh, bait and switch uh, ads on Facebook. Know your numbers. Now, you, then you, you boil down, what's your experience? Okay, great, you're a licensed realtor, but you've never done a transaction. That's okay, but be honest, be humble, right? Do you own your own property? Do you rent? Do you live with family? That's fine. That answer is very clear. It shouldn't be kind of, right? How many investment properties do you own today? How many rehabs have you completed to be a rental in the last 48 months? How many flips that you have completed and sold in the last 48 months? How many new construction projects you have completed with ownership in the last 48 months? These are straight answers and questions, questions and answers. They're not complicated. You don't need to make them complicated. You make them complicated or you mislead whoever you're working with, you're going to get bad results. Be confident and competent in whatever you're doing. That's the better strategist. That's how you strategize and identify a property. Get your ass to a zoning meeting to understand if you're going to buy in this area, you better know everything about that area. You need to be an expert in that area. You need to know everybody who's the, the decision makers in that area. You should be able to come back to me and tell me what's going on in that neighborhood. Okay? Be a strategist. Take advantage of opportunities. Be a savage in your industry. The wimps are going to get pushed to the sidelines. I'm telling you that for a fact. AI is going to consolidate a lot of this. The technology is already consolidating a lot of this in the real estate space. So many investors are just bypassing real estate agents at this point and just becoming investor agents for themselves. I know so many of them right now doing that. 
I find nothing wrong with it. I feel that wholesaling is a necessary evil, a necessary strength, but you need to align yourself with the right wholesalers that are identifying the real deals that are obviously understand repair costs, they understand acquisition price, they understand after repair value. They're taking the time of you doing your homework and finding a property out of the way and you're, you're paying them for that, but it's gotta be a, a realistic opportunity. And a wholesaler, anybody that's listening to a wholesaler, you're only as good as your best, your last deal. So if you screwed somebody on the last deal, you're never going to be able to sell them another deal again. So it's not all about just making the assignment agreement. It's about selling a, assigning a good contract on a great deal where that investor comes back and says, hey, what else do you got? That separates the bad from the good in wholesaling. I'm telling you that for a fact. Good wholesalers do a lot of wholesales. Bad wholesalers get one deal done and never talk to that client again. And they burn that relationship. They never even talk to anybody in that whole situation again. You do not want to be that professional. I want to thank everybody for this hour of great real estate education and discussion. I want to thank our sponsors, Perkitech with Gordell Perkins, our social media strategist, and our odds behind the drape here. We have Realty 411 with Linda Pelagas. We have MB Capital, your unsecured business line of credit strategist, which I'm a referral partner for. And then Abstract National, your national title company uh, for title services throughout the country. My name is Joe Scaris, host and founder of the Creative Birth Strategies House here on Clubhouse. We're, I'm also the founder and and uh, lead speaker here on the podcast at thecreativebirthstrategies.com. We are on um, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. We're on YouTube. We want to help educate uh, uh, real estate professionals. We want to help promote real estate professionals. If you'd like to put together a 30-minute podcast and interview and talk about who you are, what you do, and get that out there in front of people, please put me. let's put that together. I want to help everybody that's been staying so engaged with us for two-plus years now here in the Creative Bird Strategies House. Two-plus years. So we're also, we're providing education on-site locally, regionally, nationally. We have events in, in Denver, uh, Philadelphia, and LA scheduled. Uh, we have other events that I'm, I'm going out to teach the CE course on understanding and navigating asset-based lending. So we're really here to provide a consistent theme of education every Saturday morning, 8 a.m., and every Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'd like to thank everybody this morning again. And my quote this morning, be grateful not regretful. Have a blessed Saturday morning. I'll be ending the room in the next 30 seconds. And thank you, everybody. Be well.